Do you consider yourself a leader? I hope you are nodding your head yes, because as I said in the book, The Three Word Rebellion, if you're a business owner, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, or consultant, guess what? You are a leader. That's why I'm talking to Tara Newman today, because she is on a mission to create more bold leaders in the world. During this episode, we talk about what bold leadership is, the biggest lessons she has learned from her community about being a leader, and how radical self-awareness is a key ingredient to bold leadership. A bit about Tara. Through her podcast, The Bold Leadership Revolution, as well as her association, The Brave Society, Tara Newman is the leader of leaders. She supports leaders as they embrace their ambition and leave the grind behind. Using decades of entrepreneurial experience and a master's in organizational psychology, Tara is uniquely qualified to teach leaders to run businesses without sacrificing their health, relationships, or integrity by establishing behaviors, habits, and rituals aligned with their vision of success. Be bold, lead on, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Rebel Rising Podcast, where business owners, speakers, and entrepreneurs have real conversations about making the journey to becoming the next generation of thought leaders and influencers. This is the place to take a stand in your industry, get messy with your message, slay your mindset demons, and grow a profitable business that allows you to make a bigger impact while doing more good. Here's your host, the instigator of three-word rebellion, Dr. Michelle Mazur. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the Rebel Rising Podcast. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you because I believe one of the big things a lot of business owners need to do, especially the people who listen to this podcast, they need to start developing their leadership skills. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kick us off with this juicy question of why do you think people abdicate their leadership role in their business? Gosh, you know, we were talking about this right before we went live and I said, you and I are just soul sisters because you use words that I've used and, and I've used this word for a really long time about how people abdicate responsibility for leadership. Even when I was in corporate, they would, you know, become leaders, they would have people on their team, and then they wouldn't manage them, they wouldn't lead them, and they would just kind of abdicate all of their authority, their command, their decision making. You know, I have a couple of reasons why I think this happens. Mm -hmm. So old Tara would say because they were lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And what does new Tara say? Tara, Tara, who's better educated now and has worked with a tremendous amount of leaders over the last two decades, believes just simply we're not taught. Leadership is not being taught. It's not being talked about enough. It's not being taught. It's not being taught by a diverse amount of experts. When I've studied leadership, I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. It was 1999. And you know we were learning from a lot of same, same, same. Yeah. Men, 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 white, more white men. And there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, I go back to their research. I go back to their literature. It 100% has merits in theory. Mm-hmm. And we also know that we can make our research say anything we want it to say. 
Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that, you know, to question everything. And really the research that I like to do is anecdotal. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's live. It's from the things that my clients tell me and share with me and I observe in them. And my recent observations is that we're not being taught how to lead. As a matter of fact, we are having more and more things thrown in our way to make us be a follower. I think that's how society works. I agree because that is something we do not teach students. And as a former college professor, it definitely wasn't about let's enhance your leadership skills. So I'm curious, who are you reading for leadership? Like what books do you really love? Interestingly enough, I kind of don't consume a lot. Hmm. I don't consume a lot. And I'm a huge believer that my clients and my community are my teachers. Yeah. And you just gasped. No, I love it. I love it. Like that was the good. Mm. Yeah, that my community and my clients are my best teachers and that there's a lot of similarities that I'm seeing. There are some differences that I'm, I'm seeing, but for the most part, I'm seeing a tremendous amount of similarity in the way that we've just been conditioned in general to think about life, about relationships, about marriage, about parenting, about work. I do read some people. I like the people out there and I'll share some. They, they're all men because there's not a lot of women really disrupting the field of work. Yes. And productivity, which I intend on doing. But, you know, the people that I like, Marcus Buckingham is one. He is a, a leadership guru. He does a lot of research, but he is very disruptive in the HR work leadership space. And that's what I truly appreciate about him. He's about 15, 12 to 15 years older than me with the same background. We were too close in age for me to, to learn his work when I was in school. So he's somebody who I found a little bit, probably like maybe a decade after mm -hmm. and used his work heavily in corporate, basically just to make my counter culture points because he was one of the only people who I could find backed up the way that how rebellious I thought he was equally rebellious. So he was like my, yeah. And then I do like authors who present a broad range of research. Mm -hmm. So for example, like Dan Pink, I think does a pretty oh, good yeah. job doing like a meta-analysis almost in some of his books to the point where it's somewhat confusing, right? Because you can find a point to prove anything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm reading his book, When, and he's bringing in a lot of research that proves a lot of different points. So you almost get to the end of the book and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Right? In a way, I don't know if that was his point, but it's my point in the sense that how we work, how we lead is all individual. It's all unique. And I think this is why people struggle with this so much is that they want a blueprint for leadership. They want a formula for leadership. And there is none. It's messy. You have to get in there. You have to make your mistakes. You have to really drive a stake in the ground for what you believe, what you value, what your vision is in order to stand out. And when you think about everything that we have in our society, it's telling us to blend in. It's telling us to fit in. It's telling us to follow. It's especially now with the advent, now you got me on a rant. Oh, go the for advent it. Of the attention economy where we are incentivized for being distracted mm -hmm. where people are winning the game by how much they can distract you from your purpose and how much they can confuse you from your goal to attend to their goal. You know, it's really, I believe, like a recipe for disaster when it comes to leadership. 
everyone falling into this lockstep to what everyone else is doing because you're seeing it on social media and you're seeing it online and you know how everyone else is living and how everyone else is doing marriage and how everyone else is doing parenting or how everyone else is working or running their businesses or whatever mm-hmm. and you know leading and living from that perspective ultimately will lead to burnout yeah and i love what you said about the fact that they're distracting you from your purpose because they have this thing they want to sell. They have their purpose. <laughs> yeah, they have their purpose and they have their thing they want to sell. And sometimes they tell us, oh, well, this is the only way you can do the thing that you want to do is by buying my thing. And then that takes us down this rabbit hole that actually doesn't even serve our business. We spend our money, our time, our energy in like, a course, like I've been on a big rant about courses, you know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like we get to the end of it and we're like, oh, that was a complete distraction. It was a waste of my time. It's not what's going to move me forward or my business forward or my people forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm right there with you. So I have a couple of follow ups. The first one is what do you think is one of your biggest lessons that you learned from your community? Okay. Okay. Um, you know, well, here's the lesson that I'm continually reminded of. Mm-hmm. I think it's really a trap. You When you get into a role in leadership and you have people who are following you, like you have a community or clients, if you're a small business owner, you forget that not everybody is like you. Mm, yes. Not everybody knows what you know. Not everybody thinks the way you think. Not everybody is like you. And that's wonderful. That is probably the best lesson that you can learn and it will be your biggest hurdle if you can't figure that out. And this goes for whether or not you're an executive with employees or whether or not you're leading in your business. Not everybody is like you. Yeah. And then that's, you know, if you're a coach or you're doing like more transformative work, you have to suss that out and figure out like, okay, where are our commonalities and where are our differences and how can I communicate? Like for me, it's always goes back to like, how can I communicate in a way where they're going to get it and I get them? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So tell me, Tara, you've, you've gone on this great rant, which I'm all about. What change do you want to create in the world? You know, when I think about the change that I want to create in the world, you know, I want more people first of all, actually leading, Mm. right? And not following, not falling into this trap of victimhood, which is so perpetrated, I think, in our society. And when I say victimhood, I mean like that where everything's happening to you, Mm -hmm. where this is abdication. Yes. This is happening to me. I don't have choice. I don't, I'm not in command, right? Like why bother? Shrug the shoulders. What can I really do about it anyway? You know, this is where we see that abdication mm-hmm. and really showing people how not just to lead because that I think is confusing because there's lots of different ways that you can lead, but I want people to lead boldly. That means taking a stand for their uniqueness, their vision, their mission, their values, because when we choose to lead from our whole selves, the world is more diverse, creative, healed thriving, abundant, beautiful, Mm. and changed. Yeah. We are each a catalyst for change if we choose not to abdicate. 
Yes. And I'm hearing two things. It's like, A, realizing that you have a choice and the things that are showing up in your life are there to teach you something and you have a choice with how you deal with them. But also that when we show up as more of who we are, like we are bringing our whole selves to the table, that's when you can actually start being that catalyst. Yeah. I'm here for radical self-awareness. Oh, I love it. What does that mean to you? Radical self-awareness means that as leaders, we are leading from the inside out, that we are deeply reflective and aware of our own lessons and insights and the actions that we need to take. And we take it from a place of self and not from a place of should or this one said to, or I have the blueprint that says, because when we are more self-aware, then we can become more empathetic. We can become more compassionate. We become more understanding. We become better listeners. We become better able to support and coach those around us because we understand what it's like to experience A, B, or C. And one of the biggest things I've learned from you, because for transparency, I am part of Tara's Brave Society, which is for bold leaders. And one of the biggest lessons I have learned from you is about self-reflection, because I have gone through the majority of my business not taking time to pause and reflect on the week that was or the month that was. And I realized that it really wasn't serving me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then once we can self-reflect, we can reflect, you know, on our business Mm -hmm. and on where things are going with our business and we can reflect with our teams. Yeah. And And it all starts itself. Yeah. And then you can start generating insights about Mm -hmm. how you're showing up to your life and your business and what makes you tick and how you respond to things in the world. And then bringing that in to your business and figuring out, I mean, so everybody knows. So Tara does these CEO debriefs twice a month in the Brave Society. I didn't realize I'd be plugging Brave, but since we are, I'm just going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) What I love about it, it's, you know, we're talking about what our wins are, what's working, what's not working, where am I rushing, what do I need to let go of? And just having those questions allows me to figure out what is actually going on in my business and what I love and what needs to change. 100%. And that's actually helped me be a better leadership. But I don't think we think about self-reflection as this a radical self-awareness that leads to us being better leaders. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I work with leaders of all kinds. I work with women. I work with men. Like nobody wants to sit with their thoughts (laughs) and, and their feelings. That is scary stuff. Like I get it. And so I'm really here to make it less scary and also make it more actionable because then people tend to go within and they start to swirl around and things get muddy and murky and confusing. You know, they, they fail to see how that can really inspire the best actions so you get take the quickest path to the result you want. Mm-hmm. And so I really like to connect the whole journey for people. 
Yes. Yes. And I think you're brilliant at that. That's what you facilitate like within the group and how you even show up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. My final question for you, hopefully it's my final one and I might have a follow-up. So if everyone acted on your message, what would the world be like? You know, I think we'd see a lot more diversity Mm. because we'd see more diverse thought, more diverse opinions, bolder stands for what really matters to individuals, we'd see a lot more uniqueness. And that's, I guess, what I mean by diversity is we'd see a lot more uniqueness when today I think we're seeing a lot of same, same. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot more good being done in the world because the initiatives that we create would come from a place that are more whole and healed. And I think there'd be a lot more truth and trust. Oh, that just hit me in the gut a lot more truth and trust because I do feel like that's lacking, especially in the online business world. Well, it comes down to integrity, mm-hmm. truth and trust. And sometimes there's not a whole lot of integrity when it's just one big money grab. Well, you know, what's really fascinating to me is I've been really looking at integrity and I'm like, do you, Tara, do you really want to be the person who, who's like the integrity police and out there talking about integrity? And I really just wish my integrity sometimes would just go home, go away. <laughs> I feel the same. Uh-huh. Um, but this is really fascinating to me. And one of the things 20 years ago when I was off in the consulting world, the first time around, so I'm back in the consulting world, I, I was in consulting and then I went into organizations and now I'm back out in coaching and consulting. And so when I was there the first time, we were creating a lot of competency models for Fortune 100, 500 companies. Yeah. And we would go through the competencies and immediately we would toss out two competencies immediately. We would toss out ethics and we would toss out integrity and trust. And the reason why we would toss them out is when you're creating a model of eight to 10 competencies, the rule of thumb was that ethics and integrity and trust were given. Uh. They They were price of entry. So you already had, like they just, everybody just assumed you had them. Like you wouldn't be working within this organization. That was the thought process. You wouldn't be working in the organization if you weren't ethical or you didn't have trust and integrity. Now I'm looking back on it 20 years later going, wow, this was really a misstep because that's not true. (laughs) No, it's not true at all. Like I always go back to like how people use Robert Cialdini's work, his book Influence and all like the psychological triggers he talks about. Like in that book, he has a huge section on ethics because those persuasive triggers are so powerful. And yet you see people online using them, not because they help people make a decision, but because they want to make more money and they know that these triggers are very, very effective. I think they totally just skipped the whole chapter in that book about ethics and doing what is right for your audience over right is right for you. And it's always bugged the crap out of me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because this wasn't even in the online space, but I, mm-hmm. one, it was pre 9-11. It was pre 2009 recession. Yeah. And it wasn't until after the recession in 2009 that I actually saw corporate environments. I mean, listen, we had Enron. I was like, you know, in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. You know, we had whatever the banking industry and we had the reason why all of a sudden we had Sarbanes-Oxley, you know, coming into play. But it wasn't until 2010, 2011 and later that I really started seeing people making some pretty unethical decisions in a corporate environment because 
a lot of the corporate spaces started to become run more by fear. Oh, yeah. And I always say that a CEO's kryptonite is the things his people won't tell him or her. Yes. The, the, the things they're afraid to tell them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when they're driving for numbers and we're not going to make the number and they can't, they're afraid to go to the CEO and say, hey, we're not going to make the number. They go back and they find any way means necessary to make the number. So it really, in, in a corporate sense, you know, this whole like, well, it's a price of entry competency. You have to have it in order to even be working here. I'm like, yeah, and now no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, going taking this conversation back to full circle, I feel like that's not, ethics is not something we're taught in school nope. anymore. Nope. Like nope. I remember teaching persuasion um, to my college students and we'd spend some time on ethics and some people would be like, but I don't understand what's wrong if I like lie on a resume about my experience if it gets me the job. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, they're like seniors in college, right? And I'm like, well, their frontal lobes aren't fully formed yet. I know, (laughs) I I know, I know, I know. But it just blew me away. And then you know, the class got into a huge debate about it. But I'm like, man, we have not taught people a good enough job to like actually reflect and think about the decision that they're making and how it impacts other people rather than just them and their bottom line. That and, you know, as a business owner, as a micro business owner, being in integrity, so slightly like in a way slightly different than integrity, but being in integrity at all times is really important for the flow of your business. If your business starts getting clunky, you're having some feast or famine, you have weird things happening, clients are dropping off, people aren't committing, they're uncommitting, you know, you're seeing some real weird stuff. You Mm -hmm. always have to go back and see where are you not in integrity with your values, with your vision, with the way you want to show up in the world, like what is going on for you and how is that being mirrored back to you by the people who are surrounding you, by your money, by your relationships. It's To me, it's been critically important to understand this so I could grow my business. Mm. And with that, I would love to tell everybody where they can find you online. Sure. I am at the Tara Newman on Instagram. I hang out on Instagram. That's like by far my favorite place. And then I have a podcast called the Bold Leadership Revolution Podcast, and they can find me there as well. That is so awesome. And yes, go follow Tara on Instagram. Check out the podcast because it's great. And I just want to leave everyone with that idea of if things aren't flowing in your business, where are you out of integrity? Where are you in integrity? Because I agree, Tara, that is the key. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Rebel Rising Podcast. If you enjoyed the show and find it valuable, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you leave us a review, you help more people find the show. For more information on working with me on your three-word rebellion messaging or your keynote speech and speaker marketing, go to drmichellemazur.com. See you next time, Rebel Riser.